I am a wayfarer on the waking way just like you. Years ago, in a time of despair, I was given cause to consider my small place in the whole of creation. The old questions that have perplexed us for ages were haunting me as well. Why are we here? Must there be a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings, enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? Like a new day rising, a fervor to understand these things illuminated my inner east. The discoveries along the way have been manifold, malleable, and colorful. Like a kaleidoscope, the teachings and practices I have gathered continue to shift and bend, imprinting on the textures of daily life just as it is. My ministry arrives in the form of sharing this extremely personal, varied, sacred, ordinary way with you. Let us traverse this landscape together as siblings. I pray you will join me for a time. I am your brother Oren, and this is my witness to the wisdom cry of the Dawn Deacon. Dear friends, I hope you're doing well. Feeling a little under the weather today. Temperatures have been changing so drastically, and we're in the first stages of some type of spring here in southwest Louisiana. And I don't know, it's just got me not feeling super great today this morning I was reading the hymns of Saint Simeon the new theologian many years ago I'd found a small portion of a prayer in the back of a Catholic missile when I would go to Mass, it was my favorite prayer to say to center my mind and my heart. It said, Come true light, come treasure without name, come hidden mystery, come person beyond understanding. You took a little while for me to realize that it was a part of a longer hymn the missile hadn't credited anyone so I looked it up one day and that's when I discovered St. Simeon and his works which are really incredible I would actually encourage anyone to look St. Simeon up you can find copies of his hymns I got mine from a used bookstore online that I frequent. I don't read it all the time, but every once in a while I feel drawn to it, and today was one of those days. What I realize in reading St. Simeon is 
the commonality between mystical experiences that people have. And I don't mean to say mystical experiences like some trick or in some novel way, some frivolous thing. When you read one of these awakened people like Saint Simeon, a type of bridge forms, they have a gift for conveying that experience, which is very hard to do. Oftentimes they'll utilize something from nature. I've called this the is-likes. This is no bright idea that I made up all on my own. You see this type of language in Buddhist texts. Or Christian scriptures where a master will say that something is like something else instead of talking directly about the thing they use a language that's grounded in reality examples that we can see and touch to help us understand personally as someone who humbly claims to have had manifold mystical experiences throughout his life I would say that type of language is very useful because often we're at a loss for words I say all this to lead into what I felt like talking about today Last year, I had a conversation with a guest on my podcast, Find the Good News, Corin Grillo, who had had experiences with angels, was using that information to help others. And when we were talking in one of our many conversations, she said it had been revealed to her the importance of being on the ground and not being the mystic sage on the mountain that there definitely was a time for that but what the world needs now are for those beings to come down from the mountain and be with the people I would even compare that to Christian cosmology this idea of God coming down to be with mankind as mankind in an ordinary way not as some unrelatable untouchable luminous being The idea being that the luminosity comes from the plainness. This attracts me very, very much. Not too long ago, in an evening of prayer, 
Words just started echoing around in my skull. I wrote them down. And there were these words right here. Climb the mountain. Drink from the fountain. Go back out into the wilderness. I still think of those words often. really supports what I've just got through saying that and what Corin alluded to was that there is certainly a value in the mountain peaks of mystical experience and it's important for us to refresh ourselves on what we learn in those experiences. Often experiences that are hard to capture in words. But the final stage is to go out into the wilderness. You know, we say wilderness and when I was younger that word meant something different than it does to me now. I thought of lush trees and dense vegetation, <clears throat> a thick canopy. But I've come to see that as more a word indicative of broad, perhaps even desolate places, lonely places. And it's brought deep meaning to me when I look at the ordinary world around me. Just the plain places. Those places are the wilderness too. City streets. Homes. Schools. Jobs. Hospitals, really anywhere where ordinary people are living out their ordinary lives, trying to make the best of it, trying to do no harm, to live in general peace, tranquility, while shoring up resources for them and their families to survive. Sounds easy, but it's difficult for a lot of people. I've felt that the stress of simply surviving for a very long time. And over the past two and a half decades, I've daydreamed of being the man on the mountain. You know, this morning, Simeon used the word one drop after having seen or experienced the great oneness and how it wrecked him in a large degree just seeing one drop of that. I understood what he meant in those words. I've heard similar words from Merton 
and other poets and philosophers, saints and sinners. The one drop changes everything. And after that experience, I fantasized about wandering away to some holy place in this world, sitting at the feet of a master, being at peace, facing my own trauma and demons and sitting in a healed state. But the other side of that fantasy was that that just wasn't ever going to be enough. That was a desire. So many people have that desire, I believe. That initial spark of awakening plants it in them to live in peace, different from the ebb and flow of what we see in civilization. There's a lot of suffering out here in the world of pulling and hauling grief, physical and mental pain. Many, many are struggling with the demons of resources and despair. Looking through that one drop that Simeon alluded to, you see all of that. It's the other side of an awakening or mystical experience. What I came to reflect on over the last decade is that what these fantasies were were a type of escapism the desire to simply check out and be free from all the woe and worry. Somewhere early after my awakening experience, I encountered the words of Shantideva. I had already been exposed to Buddhist teachings through the works of Thich Nhat Hanh, particularly his book, Living Buddha, Living Christ, which had piqued my interest in other Buddhist teachers. Had an affinity for the Lamas and Rinpoches of Tibet. Those teachings felt like home to me, like an old friend, a comfort. That language, combined with the language of the Christian mystics, seemed to create a recipe, a medicine that I could take over and again. But. So many of those teachers were the men on the mountain. 
And often I think of Tibet, specifically Tibet in that way. The whole Dharmic order of lineages that have poured out across the world from that land of snows is the sage on the mountain pouring out from the highest peaks down and across the world. That idea was appealing to me like a cracked egg whose golden yolk seeps into all the cracks bringing proteins and nutrients and sustenance where it's needed sinking to the low places. So with somewhere along the way I heard the words of Shantideva being read. I believe it was in a film. And they stunned me. I'd never heard anything that actually had stunned me before. And I've often said this to other people in visits on my podcast, but the way I've described it was like hearing truth deep in my heart for the first time. If you'll bear with me, I'd like to share some of it with you. You see, every morning after I heard it, I committed to memorizing a single line. I was able to find it on the internet, which was fairly new for me at the time. And I printed it and cut it into little strips and taped it all together to keep in my pocket. What I learned was that it was the third chapter from Shantideva's great master work, the Bodhachari Avatara, the way of the Bodhisattva. With folded hands, I beseech the Buddhas of all directions to shine the lamp of Dharma for all those bewildered in misery's gloom. With folded hands, I beseech the conquerors who wish to pass away to please remain for countless aeons and not to leave the world in darkness. Thus, by the virtues collected through all that I have done, an awakening mind has been born within me It is the supreme ambrosia which overcomes the poverty of death. It is the great sun which finally removes the misty ignorance of the world. It is the supreme medicine which quells the world's disease. It is the tree that shelters all beings wandering and tired on the path of conditioned existence. It is the dawning moon of the mind which dispels the torment of disturbing conceptions. Other beautiful words from that chapter still sit in my heart and in my mind today. 
May I be the doctor and the medicine. May I be the nurse for all sick beings in the world until everyone is healed. May a rain of food and drink descend to clear away the pain of thirst and hunger. And during aeons of famine, may I myself change into food and drink. May I be an inexhaustible treasure for those who are poor and destitute. May I be all things they could need and may these be placed close beside them. Without any sense of loss, I shall give up my body and enjoyments, as well as all my virtues of the three times for the sake of benefiting all. And by giving up all, sorrow is transcended, and my mind will realize the sorrowless state. It is best that I now give all things to all beings, in the same way as I shall at death. May I be an island for those who seek one, and a lamp for those desiring light. May I be a bed for those who wish to rest, and a slave for all who want a slave. And just like space and the great elements such as Earth, may I always support the life of all the boundless creatures. And until they pass away from pain, may I also be the source of life for all the realms of varied beings that reach into the ends of space. Some mornings when I would memorize the words were alien. Oddly enough, they felt like something on other days that I'd known my whole life, even as a young child. Still to this day, chapter three of the Bodhacharya Avatara serves as a personal prayer and recommitment, especially when I've lost my way. Why do I think that's important to tell you today in relation to what I'm talking about? The Bodhacharya Avatara, especially for me, chapter 3, encompasses heaven over earth in relationship to each other, bound together. High things and low things. Elation and suffering. And the great medicine that bridges the gap. Shantideva so beautifully talks of mystical things and yet grounds them in the great sorrows and suffering of the world. One requires the other. One begs for the other. Begs to be transformed. Somehow in reading those words over and again for over two decades, my heart has made a type of commitment tethered to the earth. Not in some ecological or environmental way specifically, although that could be implied, but more to this tangible, ordinary place, just like the place I'm walking in right now. The ordinary parks and spaces 
that's the space where bodhicitta, compassion, enlightened love is needed most. And perhaps this is why I've always had some aversion to supreme bliss. The idea of being in a heaven without all the beings I love while they suffer on the earth. You almost think that I think it's all suffering, but that's not the truth. In the midst of our traumas, there are great joys. And often I wonder if without the trauma, without a dose of something that ails us, the simple joys wouldn't shine so bright. A drop of dew wouldn't glisten with the divine. The singing of birds, which you probably hear right now, wouldn't sound like the chorus of angels if I hadn't heard the screeching of the combustion engine roaring of a plane I used to have ideas that I would be some teacher that somehow these experiences that literally saved me from myself over two decades ago were making me special. The reality is I was already special and so are you. No access that you don't have to great love, insight, clarity, illumination. I have learned that clearly all of us have the original good state. I'm not fond of the word belief. I prefer much to put things to the test. But I'll use the word to say that I believe that because it's been put to the test. I've been seeing it over and again. The worst in people, the best in people, and the worst becoming the best, becoming the doctor and the medicine and the nurse for all the sick beings of the world. People who in their great suffering and sorrows looked through the one drop that St. Simeon spoke of and was overwhelmed by the ocean within. People who have been to the top of the mountain and drank from the fountain 
and wept because their hearts weren't large enough vessels to carry it down to the world. I see many, many people that I feel are in that type of spiritual trap who've had a revelation who see themselves as set apart who feel as though they are the guru to be adored the truth is everyone is the guru to be adored I've missed it so often in my life very easy for me to see the teacher in the natural world and all its creatures and not in my human brothers and sisters ordinary plain bumpy scarred stitched hurting I've come to feel that that's where the teacher appears why do I share this with you today one for my own clarification words I've never spoken out loud before to anyone else not in this way so intimate and personal but also to encourage you if you're listening to this and you've had that moment before that shining glistening illumination where you've experienced the oneness and the balances of sorrows and joys where you feel like you've seen something true don't believe that you have to travel to faraway lands, climb holy mountains, and lock yourself away in sacred temples. While there is a time and a place for those things, and they are good, so good, and I am so thankful, truly, for all those who have come before us to bring those things to us. I have to encourage you to not stay there. Learn what's needed. Climb the mountain. Drink from the fountain. Gather all the drops you can and bring it down to the thirsty people. Working ordinary jobs like me, like everyone that I know 
bring it down so that they can see what you see. It could change their life. It could give them new eyes. Your willingness to stay in the wilderness could be the greatest gift for someone else. It could be the medicine, their medicine. If you must be the guru, just be a guru in the world, right in your own life. With its with its long lineup of frustrations. I don't have anything else to say today. I hope this has been of use to you. And I thank you for walking with me and allowing me to share my heart with you. May all beings have happiness and the cause of happiness. May all be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May we all rejoice in the well-being of others. And may we all live in peace, free from greed and hatred. Brother Oren Parker is the producer and host of the Don Deacon and the Find the Good News podcast. As a licensed ecumenical minister, he practices universal spiritual accompaniment, offering a brother's ear to fellow seekers. Oren provides baptism, blessing, and union ceremonies, as well as tailored rituals to memorialize special occasions or blessings to sanctify personal spaces. Brother Oren also officiates weddings and funerals. For information or to contact Oren, visit findthegood.news or email oren at orenparker.com.